0: to Burn and Return, a weekly one-hour podcast covering news from the agricultural and turfgrass
1: industries. Boo
0: is right! Welcome to another episode of Burn and Return. For those of you tuning in for the first time, this is our weekly, somewhat mostly weekly, a podcast where we discuss the latest news that influences our industry—that is, the green industry. Um, my name is Matt Martin. Alongside me, I have uh, Ryan DeMay and Ray Ito. Uh, we are three gentlemen who are in different segments of the turfgrass industry, and we come together here to give each of our perspectives on these uh, these stories that affect everything from agriculture all the way down to mowing lawns. And the reason why. We talk about such a diverse range of topics is because they're all interconnected, even though they're a bit independent of one another. Like, for instance, if you primarily do residential lawn care, then you may not have a whole lot of agriculture in the back of your head. But in reality is that lawn care is a bit of the dirty stepchild of agriculture and so a lot of times what happens in agriculture rolls downhill and uh and ends up affecting that industry and of course you know you have uh, some things that end and originate in golf and you know how much that parlays and crosses over to uh to uh, sports turf as well so anyway uh that is what we do gentlemen ryan ray how in the hell are you
2: i think i'm good for the moment uh
0: uh ray the weekend has been long we're recording this on sunday and for for those of you that are listening to this i don't i don't i don't know when this is going to be posted but we're doing a two for today we're going to do two episodes back to back but yeah uh (laughs) over the last two weeks ray you know this is coming out of out of fourth of july weekend and all that uh let me ask Mm -hmm. have you have you have you had to pull out the ak at all
2: uh i don't have an ak to pull out but (laughs) uh you know problem. Yeah, I'm uh, nervously walking around with eyes behind the back of my head. Wow. I mean, that's
3: people, people in general. Wow. And I get, that. you know, I feel that. Ah, uh,
2: the uh, collectivists all want to whitewash Everything that goes on, and at least here in Hawaii, there's this blind spot where as long as a firearm is not used in the commission of a crime, it's all right. And smoke gets blown up my ass about how just because there's no gun involved, that makes it okay.
0: Hey, keep... Keep the smoke out of Ray's rear end. I think that's something that we can all get behind there. We can all agree <laughs> upon that. No one in their right mind deserves to be blowing smoke up Ray's rear end. Dume had to step away for a second, but he'll be coming back shortly. Uh, Jay Pink, how about we go ahead and dive into this week's headlines? This is just the news. Just the news, it is. And I figured, what the hell? This seems to be, you know, kind of circling that anybody who follows agriculture right now is definitely in the midst of discovering this. And I'm going to talk about the Sky News article first because it kind of talks a little bit in a broader sense what is going on with Dutch farmers. Uh, if no one is aware that there has been a uh, an economic policy that is that has been put forth by the government of the Netherlands, and a lot of this is coming at the recommendation of the World Economic Forum and Klaus Schwab and and all the people who know much more than we do, um, who was it? I believe it was President uh, Dwight Eisenhower who said that uh, something along the lines. This is not a direct quote, but I uh, you know it could be summarized somewhere It's like. You know uh, the the uh, the pencil pushers could never understand the difficulty of of, uh, of farming, right? And and then uh, I think that's a lot of what we're seeing uh, in re- in regards to the frustration from Dutch farmers. Uh, and so we'll start with this here, which kind of gives a highlight of it. It says uh, Netherlands Agriculture and Horticultural Organizations, uh, Sinema, says there's a broad sense of frustration, anger, even despair amongst uh, farmers amid proposals for nitrogen reduction target plans. Farmers are protesting around the Netherlands over the government's new policy, which would see the country slash nitrogen oxide and ammonia emissions by 50% by 2030. Uh, there's a map now outlining nitrogen reduction targets of 50% nationally, 70 up to 95% in certain areas, Mr. Sinema told the Sky News Australia. Uh, and imagine if you're a fifth generation farmer living on your land, making a living, being part of a local community. And you see a map saying that basically there's no future, no future for farming, but also no future for the economic, social, cultural fabric of the countryside. And then we can kind of move in here about how that has devolved, where Dutch farmers protested and they didn't necessarily just protest, um, you know, like standing out there with signs being like, uh, you know, Hey, listen, you gotta understand we're farmers help us out here. Uh, instead, What they did is they got real in the sense of how uh, 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 livestock raisers could really get real. And they loaded up manure tanks and they took their happy ass right into downtown and started spraying manure all over downtown (laughs) and government buildings and the sort. And you talk about uh, a poetry in action. That is, in my opinion, uh, one way to send a very clear message of uh, what is what is the, the phrase we hear in the United States? Don't tread on me kind of sort of deal here. Uh, and of Don't course, on this is where it, it gets weird. Right. Because uh, what happens is, well, Someone gets their their panties in a wad when they're in a position of power. And uh, Dutch police, they actually started firing shots at a tractor-riding farmers who were protesting against plans to cut nitrogen emissions on Tuesday evening in Northern Netherlands. Uh, police said they were responding to a threatening situation when the farmers, who were attempting to push past a blockade to get onto a highway in the province of Friesland, started to drive their tractors into officers and their vehicles. According to the Friesland police, they shot a tractor, but no one was injured. Three suspects were arrested. So anyway, this whole thing here is going to be weird, and uh, and it's it's something that is worth keeping an eye on. Now, as far as why the optics of this is so off, is the timing, right? Uh, we're in the midst of uh, record inflation. Uh, Supply chain shortages that we've never seen before, uh, food shortages in developing and uh, and even developed nations that we've never seen before, uh, with more on the horizon. And so to... Bring this front and center right now uh, to the people who are, are are probably most stressed right now because if there's if there's pressure on anything it's going to be pressure on the energy sector and there's going to be pressure on the commodity sector uh, uh agricultural commodity sector so those two right now are definitely feeling uh the the impacts of everything that's going on arguably in my opinion uh harder than the other industries. Now you could say like uh semiconductor industry is probably facing a pretty good one right now, but uh, uh, Taiwan seems to be getting things out on, on time, but you know, there's the great fear of China invading Taiwan and how that ends up impacting, you know, the semiconductor, but we're not there yet, but where we are, where we are right now is indeed uh, uh, issues with natural gas issues with uh, ammonia production Uh, We have the potential of CF industries, especially in Europe, CF industries uh, throttling production because they simply can't afford the natural gas. Um, We have uh, Yara uh, over in that area who has throttled production because they can't afford the natural gas. Uh, We do have the big uh, urea plant out of Africa that is feeding uh, portions of this right now, but they're limited to uh, urea. They're not supplying natural gas. They have supplied a little bit of ammonia. Um, But I don't think they're at 100 percent capacity right now. And uh, and so, you know, it's 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 a tough situation. So to come in and say, hey, look, in the midst of all this, where everybody's scrambling and freaking the F out, uh, by the way, we're going to go ahead and cut fertilizer or nitrogen, at least uh, 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 where livestock is raised by, I don't know, 50 percent. And we don't like these areas that have been farmed for a real long time. So, you know, maybe 70 percent or 90 percent. And uh, and and again, exactly like the article said, if you're a fifth generation farmer, sixth generation farmer and you see that and chances are, if you've been around that long, you're one of the ones on the on the chopping block. And that is not a fun position to be in. So, boys, my question to you is, uh, is this a positive thing? Is this going to be a net positive thing that is going to reset the world economy and bring us back to uh, a unified force? That fights for the betterment of each other, the betterment for the planet, uh, 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 better interpersonal relations between countries? uh, Or is this going to be something that is used as fodder to drive an even further wedge between us and them and all the other uh, uh, types of things we see in the news right now that is purely uh, politically designed to make sure everyone is as peak crazy as possible? Uh, What are your thoughts?
4: So, man. The, the, the to answer your question directly uh <laughs> yes it will be used it, it will be used as an us against them or uh, this side against that side or whatever right but as we have seen uh especially in the last oh i don't know 5 10 years right there is much more substance under the surface uh than meets the eye right so this whole story starts like I don't know, maybe five or six years ago. Actually, probably like five or six now, um, where the EU basically came in and said, hey, uh, you're going to have to cut nitrogen emissions in specifically the agriculture sector, uh, and we don't necessarily care how you do it to a certain extent, but it needs to get done. Well, so one of the things that happened in this case was that the uh, Dutch agriculture minister at the time said, well, guess what? We'll just raise the level that we're supposed to be at, and then when we make the cut, we'll end up right back where we were before. No harm, no foul, right? Well, the EU caught onto that, kind of got pissed and basically said, hey, listen, now we're going to tell you how you have to do it and give you a little bit more direction on how you have to do it. And so that ever since has caused a little bit of a rift right within the government about how to proceed with this and everything like that. The, the the crux of the story now is that they are having to make these cuts, right, to get to a certain level. But before, they rem- during this whole like intermediate interme- uh, period uh, between when the EU came back and slapped hands and things like that, the government Dutch government removed all the caps that they had previously had on the number of animals that you could have on your farm. So what happened was you had a whole bunch of farmers saying, well, fuck, if there's no cap, I'm going all in, I can make, you know, I can make more money, the more animals I have, the more I can produce. And that has sort of brought this thing to a head of people are at peak production, they've got a lot of money leveraged and invested in, um, you know, the animals and the the infrastructure and everything to handle them, right? All this livestock and produce and send, you know, product to market, everything like that. And now you've got the government coming and saying, hey, music just stop, see if you got a chair, right? and what's gonna take place what's already started is a microcosm of what is going to happen with all the climate change stuff and with all the emission stuff is that you know we we've, we've been worried for a long long time that third world countries right developing nations wouldn't be able to handle this kind of thing right from a just from the a logistical standpoint yes but also from a funding standpoint from how do we teach these people that have you know basically made their lives for generations, right, or longer in this industry or in this field, now you can't do it anymore or you can't do it the way that, you you know, you once knew. How do you just change that, right? So I think that is what's going to happen here is you're going to have smaller farmers who are, who are the most impacted because they're either highly leveraged and there's no way for them to get out. So they are talking about government buyouts and things like that. And I'm sure they'll be fair, but maybe not generous, right, to the point where, Oh hey yeah I got that government buyout. I'm just going to go on easy street and retire, right? Maybe go down to the red light district, you know? Maybe I hey listen, whatever happens there's between two consenting adults. Um but I think that's that's the crux of the whole issue here is that there uh, there's very little thought about the impact, the downstream effects of all this. And I agree that yeah, hey, is there stuff that should be cut and levels that should be lowered? Probably yeah. There's there's a a striking body of evidence that would suggest that we need to do that however to do that in real life means people are going to be affected right ultimately and yes you can say that hey there's a lot fewer small-time Dutch farmers than there are people in the world that would be impacted by climate change I don't disagree with you on that but I do think that there has to be some mechanism for these people to be made whole And to not let them feel like they've been ostracized or alienated from everything that they've ever known, right? Uh, Just because it's got to be, you know, a a certain number has to be hit or a certain target has to be hit. So it's an unfortunate thing. And I think, uh, you know, at a macro level, Ray, what we're seeing here is uh, uh, just as everything else, you know, as we've seen these last several years, the velocity of change. That is the problem. That is the crux of the entire issue here is how quick... All this stuff is coming, at least seemingly, and perce- you know, and how people perceive it to be coming, and that's what's fucking shit up. And so I think the uh, the expectation setting that these politicians do is piss poor. I mean, let's be honest. If there's anybody poor at expectation setting, it would be like, uh, I-, I don't know. I can't. Uh, well, never mind. I was going to say some, it, it, something. No. From, I was going to do a callback from the from the pre-show, but uh, okay. you know, like the girlfriend that we watched on TikTok going to the sushi bar.
2: Yeah yeah well elected officials because you see the elected officials listening to these uh, NGOs uh what grinds my gears is the lack of actual honesty and transparency because you know all of these moves okay let's cut nitrogen emissions let's cut Livestock production. Let's do that. But can, Brian, can you or Matt tell me what the actual end result of these measures will be? What is the actual end result? Because I know what the end result will be or the consequence of actually successfully doing this is. And you know what that consequence is? Depopulation. Okay?
3: Tell me now, who is gonna have to die?
2: Because what I'm seeing or what I've become aware of in the last ten years, and this has been a, a very recent evolution for me, is I've come to realize that a lot of these environmental movements, the end result of it is is that either somebody's gonna have to go or alternately we are going to have masses of deprived people with the very few still living relatively comfortable and cushy lives where, in fact, the people living the very comfortable and cushy lives, I think, they need to get thrown out in the forest with nothing but their bare ass. And let's see how they live their low environmental impact lifestyles in. And
0: And Ray, let me interject, and before before people hear that and are like, Ray, you're crazy. I can't believe you'd say that here Here's the thing is that okay we we limit livestock production in this area. We are not limiting the rate of population expansion. We are not uh uh r- reducing the number of people on the planet, therefore the need to consume uh protein. Uh, which arguably is where the livestock is, is the whole reason for the raising of livestock. Yes. It's going to have to be replaced with something. So we're passing the buck on to something else. And is the idea here that we're all going to move to a plant-based protein diet. And that's, that's going to sustain the next stage of, of population development and the the, the growth of the planet. I, I don't think so because that those plants are gonna have to be fertilized in order to be produced. You know, we have all of this emphasis on on uh sustainable agriculture, right? Well, here we've got livestock production. Can't that be turned into be sustainably uh a sustainable fertilizer and some other facet of of crop production? We, we we're not a shrinking population. And so therefore if we limit it here, it has to be replaced somewhere. I don't know if, you, if, you're, if you're looking at cattle futures and stuff right now. We're not exactly flush with a shit ton of extra cattle just laying around there that we have to get rid of because, oops, we raised too many of them. Uh, that, is, that is not the case right now. Uh, and so even so, we limit cattle, right? We limit red meat, and then we flip it over to what? Chickens? Okay. What do chickens produce? they produce a ton of manure that's actually going to be a higher concentration of nitrogen we switch over to pork the same thing we switch over to to uh some other obscure animals, sheep whatever it, it's it's the same thing there's no escaping it however you do this and so you know in in and, and again in my opinion what makes this so uh, uh extreme and and probably what has everybody on edge to an even greater degree is the timing of it right um, and, and, and exactly like you said, me, the velocity of, uh, of of which this thing is 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 taking place, especially the optics of it taking place right now. There's already, yeah. you know, fear indexes are already peaked out, and now we're gonna throw livestock limitations right on top of it in the midst of all that, and it just it sends people into into a tizzy. And I completely understand. But then from a long-term perspective, yes, are there things we need to do to to mitigate nitrogen uh, uh, emissions? Sure, 100%. I'm all for that. Is um is it is it spreading out how how we raise livestock it's it's going to have to go somewhere is it, are the netherlands saying that look we can't do it here so we're going to move it next door to the country next door and then what happens if it becomes too extreme there i know ireland is going through the same thing because it's kind of the whole eu that's facing this thing right and now ireland farmers yep. are starting to, to, to get pissed off too right and and I, I if i recall correctly it's either sheep or lamb that they primarily raise there that's that's going to be called into question so Again, we're not really limiting the problem. Uh, um, we may be limiting it inside the, uh, the boundaries of one country, but in terms of the economic impact on the planet or the climate impact on the planet, and both of those are going to be interconnected, right? We're, we're not actually solving anything, in my opinion, because we're just placing the, uh, the burden of responsibility onto something else in the agricultural sector to take its place.
2: You see, things are not don't happen in a vacuum because, like you said, what then becomes the source of protein and calories and vitamins? Because it is scientific fact that plant-based substitutes are lousy; they suck at promoting. Actual health, and i will you know I will put that out there, in fact, Matt, I will die on that hill, okay that and you know you know why this kind of caught my attention that this is happening to the Dutch? Do you know why the Dutch are tall and relatively healthy? Um, Do you know why the, their population enjoys such good health in general what? why is that? It's because of all of the milk and meats that these guys, that these people naturally and normally consume.
4: Okay, I was gonna say that is unfiltered is, cigarettes and legal prostitution. But
2: uh, I might. well, that that just that just keeps them chill. Okay, that just keeps them chill because you see, that's the, how you tame the Vikings. The, yeah the the post uh, the post-coital joint, you know, keeps people mellow. But that I'm talking about people in general because uh, I can't help but notice now.
0: That was poetry, right? That was poetry. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Because you notice how you go look at the, the height statistics for various countries. The Dutch are among the tallest people, right? They're the tallest people. Whereas... You compare that to, say, Japan or China? Those people are among the shortest, and that is because of a vegan forward diet in those countries.
0: So a little bit of fish, a lot of rice, a lot of greens.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that stunts people's growth, plain bottom line. and I find it especially concerning
3: in that a government
2: would propose this and then is this government thinking about the actual health and longevity effects?
0: You know when they have these government meetings where they call everybody in and they're and they're sitting down and it's all the world leaders. I'm curious when they are serving dinner, what do they have on the menu? Because if <laughs> they have a tomahawk steak or a ribeye or a New York strip or anything on whatever they call that in the EU, filet mignon, uh, I I I I think they deserve to have someone defecate on their plate and that be served for dinner. Um, all right, next.
2: No, actually. Here, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what,
0: what, what are we gonna say,
2: right? <laughs> oh, actually, yeah that that is the the hypocrisy and the evil that I'm talking about. Where it's fine and good for these people to say everybody else goes without, yet they don't make the same sacrifices. Like I want these government's leaders to then subsist on the soilent green or whatever crap they suggest that. The masses subsist on. I mean, what's good for the goose is good for the gander.
0: Uh, <laughs> so much for balance in that article, Demay. Sorry about that. Uh, treated seeds, a focus a, a focus of consent decree. Uh, the EPA will decide by September 30th to spell out how much regulatory oversight is needed for pesticide-treated seeds after the agency opted for five years not to respond to regulatory demands for oversight of treated seeds from environmental groups. The decision could affect seeds for nearly every corn and soybean acre planted, as well as other crops. EPA on Wednesday published a proposed consent decree for a lawsuit filed last December by the Center for Food Safety and Pesticide Action Network of North America. The agreement states the EPA will decide by September 30th on whether to begin drafting regulations for treated seeds or reject reject the environmental group's demands. The two groups had sued EPA because the agency had not responded to a 2017 petition filed by uh, the groups demanding EPA regulate treated seeds as a pesticide rather than allow treated seeds to avoid regulations under EPA's treated article exemption in the FIFRA. Uh, in late 2018 and early 2019, EPA asked for public comments on the environmental groups' petition. and got back 16,343 total comments on it. EPA then never followed up on how to handle the petition, sparking the lawsuit. So it goes on and on and on here. And this is this is what I uh, a couple statistics here. Trutec seeds are now used on an estimated 180 million acres. My goodness. Ooh. Um, and then that uh, and where that ends up happening is that you know they have to sell the seed within a limit, right? Uh, a time limit, and if you go beyond that time limit, that seed is no longer available for for resale, right? And then that gets turned into waste, and that gave uh, uh, Proctor for the, um, the development of country of companies like Alt In, who had a ethanol plant and, of course, a, a biochar facility, and it led to the production of eighty four thousand tons of toxic distilled grain piled on the site. Not a good thing, right? So I see this in both ways. Do you know from a crop production perspective, it is cheap and easy insurance at the time of planting, right? Uh, uh, Mephanoxin, you know, for uh, disease prevention or imidacloprid for uh, 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 pest res- uh, uh, resistance, Im- immediate from the, the point of germination, right? Because so many times. At the point of germination is the most critical point of development for the plant. And if you do have something as uh, as as like Pythium attacking young plants immediately from the get go and it spreads across a thousand acres, you know, then that farmer is absolutely food barred. So I do understand it from that point. But at the uh, at the other end of this is do we really need to treat 180 million acres of seed? I don't know. OK, I, Matt, Matt. Yep. I, you know, this is
2: one area where I am actually an advocate for some oversight regarding these treated seeds because, Matt, problems with treated seeds have happened before because you mentioned mephenoxam, right? That's a relatively low toxicity fungicide for use against piscium and damping off. Well, Prior to the 1980s, a common fungicide for seeds was this fungicide called panogen. And let me tell you what panogen is. Penogen was the brand name for dimethyl mercury.
4: Oh. Sounds like it works.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Or... Good old phenyl merc- mercuric acetate.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, that, that one.
2: That that was a, that was a seed. That was also a seed fungicide back in the old days. And
0: back in the old pre- days, we had mercury bioaccumulation. Today, we have PFAS. You know, we just trade yeah, one for the yeah. other. But it's organic.
2: Yeah, but then, but then, the thing is, is that mishandling and repurposing of Those mercury-treated seeds has caused some catastrophes back then because mercury doesn't go away, right? It's there, it bioaccumulates, and especially toxic is not inorganic mercury or mercury inorganic salts. It's these mercury compounds that are complexed with organic molecules like panogen or phenylmercuric acetate so
0: and I, and, I mean a hundred and eighty so, you know, million acres is that's that is a lot I mean is no, that, that is all,
2: that's everything Matt that's that's about yeah. everything because because you see I look and I see how most crop seeds Matt get a combination of mephinoxin, a uh, strobilurin fungicide, and a neonicotinoid. That is just standard practice for these larger fields, is that they get uh, a one, two, three, they, they get the ultimate green dock special. <laughs> and so, yeah. but, you know, in doing that, though, I then. Have to treat or consider these seeds just as good as a fifty pound package of pesticide It's as good as a pesticide to me. I consider it as good as a pesticide
0: i I would say so,
2: so. yeah Do, would De De May, you
0: agree normal- oh yeah uh, uh De- 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 De May, here here we have uh Ray being a bit of uh the voice of reason here uh add add to this give
4: us give us <laughs> Give us something. I mean it, it there there's uh I, I'm not gonna pretend to know every single in and out of the uh regulations surrounding treated seed. I understand them, but not at a at a deep level. But sure, yeah, I will say I will say this is that uh just like Ray said, it's an added layer of security. It's something that uh I think has just become common practice, right? And just because you you know the, the the big the big uh, push against them or the knock on them is that they can have uh, deleterious effects on uh, soil organisms, right? Specifically, endophytes. And so, and- is there something there? And is there something that we can use in lieu of those? I don't know. I I think the whole idea there is um, one that I don't know what this other this additional regulation would look like. It's something that we're just saying, hey, you'd have a stated reason, you know, or, you know, insurable losses in the previous year due to Phytopht or Pythium, whatever, you know, whatever your pest is, is to basically account for this, you know, so uh, I get it. Uh, I, um, I'll be the voice of reason and say that, you know, it should be looked at and it should uh, have the due diligence put behind it to say, hey. This still is a good practice and it makes sense, or hey, only in these cases should we be using this. So there yeah. you go. You Get two okay. out of three. Maybe okay, three. because
2: I got so I got one more to add to this is that do you guys know how apparently bees are getting most exposed to neonicotinoids? Do you know what the, the this research has found? No. It is not it from application to turf or ornamentals, most of the exposure comes in the form of, say, seed is treated with clothianidin or imidacloprid, or thiamethoxam, which, by the way, is very commonly done, right? Mm-hmm. When that seed is being planted, especially with these seed planters that use a stream of compressed air to shoot. The seed into the furrows, you know, as yep. as, it, as the tractors feeders. going down the field. Yep. Okay. That dust of neonicotinoids that comes off of those seeds and then drifts off into nearby weeds, who which may be in bloom. What happens to the poor bees that come in contact with that that dust? Nighty night. Aloha. Exactly. I mean. That is, you know, and that is something that I can I can I can believe because you have this coating on the seed that is not exactly very tightly bound because basically let me describe the seed treating process to you all for those that don't understand. What they do is they have a concentrated solution of these insecticides and fungicides that gets sprayed onto the seeds and then it's dried, and then it's bagged up and sold to growers who then use the seed to plant their fields. But it is still, in most cases, just a slurry or a solution that is just sprayed on and then dried. So it's very possible for that product to easily knock off or flake off and become airborne it's not hard
0: there's no doubt about it uh we are out of time but we'll go ahead and roll through this last one here a chinese company's purchase of north dakota's farmland raises national securities concerns in washington uh, a food oh, manufacturer fufeng group brought uh, 300 acres of land near grand forks north dakota set up a milling plant uh it is about 20 minutes from the grand forks air force base And uh, and it's not just the location to the Air Force base. It's what goes on at the Air Force base that has people quite concerned, especially uh, people in the uh, in the uh, uh, national defense uh, area. And specifically what the Air Force is doing there has a lot of unmanned uh, drone flights and a lot of communication that takes place with uh, space based assets. And so it has bipartisan uh, support for absolute uh, freaking the f out about uh, the, the proximity to it. So it's it's roughly, oh, the guy who sold it he said it's twelve miles away. It isn't like it's next door. And you know, they put it this way, the neighbors were super pissed. Uh, there and uh, the the guy who sold the property to the to the company said, "I've been threatened. I've been called every name in the book. How would they gain any knowledge of the base? It's about twelve miles away. It isn't like it's next door." Well, <laughs> I mean, uh, hello. Naive. I mean, has 12 miles ever stopped uh, a country before from taking advantage of uh, of of proximity? I mean, uh, let me let me ask you this. If if the border between Ukraine and Russia was 12 miles wide, do you think it would have stopped the invasion? Um, (laughs) No. Anyway, it's it's an absolute asinine thing to 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 pretend, you know, like, oh, it's just 12 miles. Uh, and and I think rightfully so, from a national security perspective, that it is something that should be talked about. But here, here's here's the other thing too: is that, uh, what what kind of securities at this uh, Air Force base to protect against this? The, the I feel like there should be some pretty extreme security here, where it shouldn't raise too many concerns of espionage, right? Because of whatever. Uh, data stream actually, encryption or whatever they have going on. I don't know. Actually,
2: Matt, uh, I would red flag and nix this right off the bat because what if this farm, this quote-unquote farm, is nothing more than a front so that inside the barn or whatever, you have the Chinese spy agency in that barn working 24 hours a day to crack whatever encrypted communications they can pick up from that base and the fact that they're only 12 miles away makes it that much easier i mean yeah this this just is bad okay this is just really really bad it's like what because let me let me ask you this can you imagine a Chinese interest setting up a few miles away from Pearl Harbor, for example, that ain't going to happen
0: or in Guam or, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, it's, it would,
2: hell no, hell no. I don't know.
0: (laughs) It it definitely makes, it makes, you know, makes the hair stand up on the back of your neck. Demay, are we overreacting here? Is this, should we sing Kumbaya and welcome our neighbors? No,
4: there's, there's gotta be some (laughs) funny business here. And listen, (laughs) (laughs) if uh if one of if one of our uh favorite and most dear patrons telly coleman if he almost got a chick pregnant from 12 miles away i gotta think (laughs) the chinese government's got some shit that they can figure out you know the little and that trust me there was no espionage involved with telly's there was car knowledge okay so yeah
1: 12
4: miles huh yeah
0: all right, uh, gentlemen, uh, I, I, I don't see anything here, but that may not be it's here. But uh, how about how about we talk about this week's Joe Knows Turf? <laughs> Joe <Joe's laughs> tough. Hi, I'm Joe. I'm going to give you a bunch of accurate turf facts today because
1: Chow knows turf.
4: <laughs> now, gentlemen, in the yep. short history of this particular segment, uh, you know, we've never had a repeat. We've never had an individual put content out uh, that, was sent to us specifically for the reason of going on Joe Knows Turf, which, by the way, thank you to our sponsor, our friend, Joe the Lawn Warrior. Great dude. (laughs) Awesome dude. Thanks, Joe. uh, Yeah, thanks, Joe. So, anyway, um, this one is brought to us this week by the Pest and Lawn Engine, and I'll frame (laughs) it up here like this, is that uh, Uh he he put out a video to talk to people about how to I'd identify crabgrass and Dallas grass, and I believe Orchard grass, and how to you know correctly identify those, which wasn't bad. It was it was it was pretty good, as I watched that part. But the part that really had me concerned, and the reason that was sent to me, was this. Let's go ahead and watch this and see what y'all think.
5: treatments. If you've identified that you've got Dallas grass in your lawn, the next step probably isn't going to make you much happier. There's a couple of products out on the market like Revolver and certainty that claim that they can treat Dallas grass. But once you get into the label, they only offer suppression, which means it's going to stunt the growth. It'll appear to be dying, but then it's going to keep growing. And they want you to treat week after week after week. Now, the idea behind this is you treat it week after week after week to make sure that it doesn't form a seed head when in all actuality, you could have just dug it out, saved yourself a lot of time. Now, the other funny aspect about these products offering suppression There's made mention of one that actually controls Dallas grass to combine with these other products, which is kind of weird. Wouldn't you just go to the other product? Well, the reason why people don't is because that product is only rated for golf courses and sod farms, but it's called MSMA. Now, the label does stipulate that it does control. You gotta be
0: fucking kidding me.
5: Wait. Demand. Oh, Just my God. Okay. Wait. Wait. All right. Sorry. Just Sorry. Keep going. Keep going. Oh, Keep my going. God. Dallas grass, and there's been a ton of people that have been very happy with it. Now, if you're certain that you have crabgrass, the best option for you to do is Pause. Use a product called Tenacity.
4: J. Pink, we will need that clip if you go back about five seconds. Keep yes. going. Keep going. And there's been right. a
5: ton of people that have been very happy with it. Now, if you're certain one. we're
4: going to need it, that's going to be a soundboard quote. Go ahead and keep a going. A
0: of people that have been happy with it.
5: That you have crabgrass, the best option for you to do is to use a product called Tenacity and mix it with a non ionic surfactant. Now, the reason why I love this combination is because the Tenacity, if you spot spray it, will bleach the crabgrass Pause. white. All right.
4: Now, listen, the Tenacity and all that kind of stuff, we could we we've talked about it before. It's whatever. So before we address the main issues, let's try to educate first. Let's harness all that energy that you've got in you right now, Matt and Ray, <laughs> and let's talk about a productive solution. If you have Dallas grass in a cool season lawn, what do you do, Ray? You let's sure start as there. shit
0: do not fucking spray any of the suggestions he put forth. Go ahead, Ray.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, Matt just took the words right out of my mouth. So please don't. Put uh, certainty on a cool season lawn, for one thing. Uh,
4: or Revolver, or MSMA. Or revo-
2: now, yeah, please don't do that, because Revolver, correct me if I'm wrong, is that not certain death for a cool season turf? Isn't that, like, yeah. dead? Because Revolver's serious business. I mean, I use that on hard-to-kill grassy weeds in a Bermuda or Zoisha lawn. And, but then I know don't ever bring that near a cool season grass. And next, tenacity.
3: Okay, tenacity on crabgrass by itself is lousy. It is poor. I mean, and next, Dallas grass.
2: Other than one herbicide that costs about $400 a bottle and may work over repeated applications, the other thing that's more effective on Dallas grass is either plain old glyphosate or a pick. You know, sorry. I mean, I I don't have any good news there.
4: (laughs) So, uh,
0: again go ahead hey, I was gonna, just real quick ahead, ahead. let me let me just get this off my chest especially if you're in areas where he is you're gonna see one maybe two plants of dallas grass dig the damn thing out put some sand back mm-hmm. in its place be done with it if you're in mm-hmm. the south like i am chances are wait till the fall do a renovation a partial renovation just a section of the lawn something of the sort to get rid of it. If you have some clumps here and there, a little bit too much, say it's an acre and you've got 30 or 40, then you want to start looking at something like Pylax or combined and or combined with Vlazifop, maybe adding a little sulfentrazone to your Pylax, something to broaden mm. your spectrum of control. You're going to be making multiple applications in the fall and, and that's just the way it is. There's no g- great answer, but here's the thing. The highlight no, no, no. I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop right there. So we've identified options. Fluazifop has Dallas Grass control on the label. Pylex has Dallas Grass control on the label. Again, follow the spot spray application rates on that. I believe that's going to be one milliliter per thousand square feet. And uh, and again, you're going to be making multiple applications of, of the timing of that. Where are you going with this, me? Because boy. Boy.
4: <laughs> Now here's okay. So now we've cleared up the options specifically in a cool season lawn. He's not talking about warm season. He doesn't make any mention and provide any context to that effect. And so that's why I thought it was important that we address what the options actually are in a cool season situation. Now, with that being said, my question for both of you, as you know, just commentary in your own opinion, is why would somebody with a following of J Pink help me out here? 115,000 people watching this, right, or has the ability to watch this, subscribe, would they put out content that suggests using chemicals that are, number one, A, not labeled for uh, the particular grass that we're on, number one, or number two, that we're talking about chemicals that are specifically not labeled for anything in residential turf. Why would that take place? Help me out.
0: Purely for attention. There is no other reason that that would take place aside from attention. All press is, all press is good press. Negative press is good press, right? And, and the fact that it's painted in such a positive light. And if anybody who's dug into weed science over the last 10 years has figured out that uh, it, it, that uh, MSMA in terms of efic- efficacy was was uh, fair to, to good. Uh, when it came to Dallas grass and where it really shined with Dallas grass is when you started adding additional products to it, because in and of itself, it wasn't very good. And so it required the same concoction of products, expensive products in order to increase its efficacy, to turn it into something that made it what it, it, where it it gathered it's, uh, its reputation. And in fact, the tools we have better now have greater systemic activity, less uh, 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 damage, uh, collateral damage to our, to our uh, surrounding turf, and there, there's just better options out there. And if you're wondering what those options are, again, we talked about in Cool Seasons Lawns, we're looking at Pilex, we're looking at Fluazifop, maybe in a combination of the two, uh, maybe combining Fluazifop with Sulfentrazone and Warm Season Turf. Uh, we have Tribute Total. If you don't want to run Tribute Total, you can tr- combine Celsius with Revolver, which is actually what forms Tribute Total, making applications that adding a little ammonium sulfate to the tank to, uh, to, to mm-hmm. help with uh, uh, penetration there and eliminating some of the things in water that can reduce efficacy. Uh, and in fact, there's new specific Dallas grass herbicides from uh, uh, a Syngenta, if I recall, manuscript um is is yes is pretty hyper specific to dallas grass if i recall correctly um so and and then again you know if you want to broaden your spectrum of in these you you start looking at at you know the addition of things like simazine or syncor uh you know if you're looking for for that extra uh uh smoke your ass uh type of of burn and return application which you know i don't think everybody on the show is a big fan of so mm-hmm. it's there's a certain amount of ignorance here that's on full-fledged display. And but you you know what it is that he knows I guarantee you he's been in this business long enough to know the ignorance of his statement, including even the way he was talking about Dallas Grass control with certainty and revolver. But he knows that it would generate a shit ton of negative press because he's mentioning the four-letter word of the lawn care industry that is is uh, uh, that that is MSMA, right? And so he wants people to to, to to argue about it and get in the comments and leave comments and all this fun stuff. I think it's better for us to put it on video here, in fact, a video I can't wait to clip up this Joe knows turf segment and just hurry up and roll it out and in fact I may do that tonight and go ahead and post <laughs> it in as a prequel to the release of this episode just to let people know the importance of one why uh in, in my opinion they should be watching us and two to go ahead and lay a little bit of discredit to uh this cretin of a human being known as uh,
4: uh, 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 whatever his name is the ginger Hey, Matt, Ray, are you guys ready for dessert? Mm-hmm.
3: Oh, no.
1: <laughs> Go ahead, oh Jake. Slide
4: down there. Slide down there, and let's look at that description and the links therein, if we could, please. Oh, for no. Christ's sake. No way. Go down. Ray. Go down. Ray. Go down. Ryan. Oh, Go down. Oh, Ray. shit. Ryan. Oh, shit.
0: Hang on. Let me zoom in on this so I can see it. MSMA is for Zoysia, Bermuda, Bluegrass, according to the label, in a paid link no, that's, that's to lab purchase low. it. That's, oh, my
2: freaking that's, goodness. To the
0: lablo. In lab a paid low. referral link to purchase oh it. Oh, my.
2: What? Oh, my Cook Lord. Link. A link. piece
0: of shit. What a piece of shit.
2: Yeah, I mean, this is just so bad because... <laughs>
0: an <laughs> incognito, so it doesn't cook his ass. Look at that! What a smart what, human being.
2: But what? What a piece of what shit. a piece of crap! What a piece of crap! Because right here, <sighs> cotton, golf courses, sod farms, and highway right of ways. And by the way, in most states except Florida, does not allow use of MSMA at all. I believe. Exactly. It's pro-
0: and it's prohibited. The, the other thing is is that even uh, applications on golf course and side farms is extremely Slide limited up. to zone spray or spot spray only uh, oh, uh okay. a, across a certain amount of square feet. It is not okay. like you could just go willy-nilly and tank mix this and just go take okay, a blanket ass application of it. No,
2: this no, I just had a
0: carding.
3: Yeah, this is horrible because
2: all right. So and on top of that, I've used MSMA before, right? And my experience with MSMA, as it's now touted on social media and the internet, is that it's a lousy herbicide. It's junk.
0: Again, it has this novelty in, because of its mm. use in the past, right? It has this novelty. And, and, and I will say the fun thing about, about spraying MSMA is that you would go spray it and it looked like everything was dead. The lawn was dead. The weeds against the side of the house were dead. It made the house look terrible. You got 10 phone calls from not just your customer, but every neighbor in the neighborhood called you and was like, holy shit, Matt, you got to get back out here. You killed the neighbor's yard and then everything turned green again and it was and you felt you felt like you were uh, uh uh I don't I don't know a superhero or something because everything turned green again and you had fewer weeds than when you did the first time that you sprayed it right but again when it came to long-term control because you did that the first year right well guess what you had to do it again the second year because it's a it's a non-selective herbicide for those of you that do not know MSMA is a non-selective herbicide it is It does not target specific weeds. It targets everything. That's why if you put it on fescue, you're going to end up killing 90% of your fescue. You put it on Kentucky bluegrass, you'll probably end up killing 75% of your Kentucky bluegrass. You put it on zoysia grass, it's going to take about eight months for it to recover, if not until the next year for it to recover, especially if you don't have experience of figuring out how to make that specific application. It's very... It, it it had its its prime time in in Bermuda grass because Bermuda grass you can't kill it anyway right and so that's where it gathered its reputation and it became this the superhero thing but what what you found out was that every year you had to do the same thing and eventually people got tired of it and as an applicator you got tired of it too because you got to go push a seventy thousand square foot yard and then you got to blanket spray seventy thousand square foot yard. With uh, all in the same application, and you're only getting 150 bucks on that property, and you gotta you gotta do 1100 dollars on the day, and now you're having to double app it, right? And now you're having to double app every seventy thousand square foot property that you have on your route that day, and so then you start asking questions: How can I do this where next year I don't have to do that again? Because this sucks. It was fun the first time, but it's not fun anymore. Application uh, uh around four and five and six during the summer when it's a hundred degrees outside, double app in all your lawns sucks ass. And so, but but what people remember are the good times, right? Everybody remembers the good times. It's like it's like the people that used to do shit tons of, of, of cocaine, right? Boy, everybody remembers that first two hours. Nobody wants to talk about watching the sun come up and the feelings that go on then, right? <laughs> so you get, you get drawn back into it, you know, like, oh, man, what a great time that we had so much fun last night. Well, and except for the fact that when the sun was coming up, I was sitting with a loaded revolver on my couch, wondering if I was going to end it all <laughs> kind of thing, right? Here we are. Same thing, you're showing up for round five. After round four, you double apped it. It's 111 degrees outside, and you're like, damn it, I got to do it again. And you start thinking about the revolver in your top drawer at the house because you got to double app a 70,000 square foot yard again, right? So uh, uh, again, this is, it's, 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 it, this is so low rent. This is the equivalence of of people who put on clown costumes and shit and get on YouTube and make funny noises and funny faces purely for the clicks and they don't give a shit. They have zero dignity, zero self-respect. It's all about attention, attention, attention. Look at me, look at me, look at me. And uh and and and, and perfect case in point, we've got Ginger himself, who is uh honestly takes the cake for look at me. I thought I thought maybe it was Ron Henry. Uh, but it's, uh, I, I think, I think it may, it may
4: actually be ginger. I don't know. Well, Hey, if you, all, all I can say, this is the, this was my takeaway after watching is if you don't get the context and don't know what you're doing and you buy some Memphis or some MSMA, which by the way, uh, on that link, that's actually Amazon's choice for MSMA. He's selling a good product there. Um, but, yeah, you will definitely, uh, on cool season, especially if you use it in the case that he was uh, describing there, you will slay that lawn. And, ladies and gentlemen, that's this week's Joe Knows Turf. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I can stop there, Domain. God almighty.
0: <laughs> I, and this is the last thing I'm going to say. Again, oh. you know, I, I, I love, I love. The homeowner market. And I, and I, and I love the furthering of education of the homeowner market. And I think that's a very important thing, right? Because as an industry, we're only as strong as our weakest link. However, what this absolutely highlights is that the ginger is the weak link in our industry and perpetuating msma as a solid solution for things that are going out there and giving avenues to buy it and talk about it and and what a wonderful thing it is when it's not it's not go look at the data the data's out there i i in fact i think in a previous video before where i've talked about dallas grass i went through some of the studies that showed a lack of efficacy long-term efficacy for msma use in but 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 to 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 put this forward as a, a an adequate solution and go ahead and capitalize on it by you know clicking my link and shoot me a few bucks for making this recommendation to you shows that this guy one hundred percent does not give a shit about this this industry it does not give a shit about you whether you're a homeowner or a another professional out there the only thing he gives a a shit about is uh, uh is generating attention. And uh, whatever whatever kind of feel good euphoria he gets from that attention, whether it be positive or negative, and uh, and capitalizing on on it, of course, right? Because uh, because damn it, he's he's gathered all this knowledge, quote unquote knowledge, which it, it just clearly does not exist, but in his head it does exist. So it, in the midst of this god complex knowledge base that he's he's uh, generated, boy, he'll share it with you, for a for, uh, for uh, what is it, 12% or 15% or 7% off his Amazon sale. That's how he values the knowledge he's put together because he knows he doesn't fucking know what he's talking about. Uh, let's check out this week's Burns. Does he get... I don't, I, I don't know. Was that our Burns for the week right there, too? That was Joe Joe's <laughs> turf and
4: our Burns? I, I, wanted, I wanted to lead in with that to get you in the right frame of mind
0: boy you did didn't you uh and i and now i feel terrible going right into this because i, I
4: rant and then oh, yeah this is not good
0: a not damn good. a mississippi man died of a heat stroke while mowing his church lawn an 82 year old man in sardis by the way where's hungry southerner do you remember when we were talking about sardis in the discord one time demay i do it's Lake sardis there's let me tell you there's been a, there's been a lot of people that have found the Lord on Sardis, and an old man was was preserving this property to make sure that the next generation of teenagers got to got you know got to have those experiences that brought them closer to the Lord here in Sardis, Mississippi. Which is, let me tell you, that's a hell of a place. If you've never been, I highly recommend you go. Uh, shout out to to my mom and uh, and the my my family in that area. Um, but uh, but old eighty two year old man here. Uh, was mowing the lawn at his church and died of uh of heat stroke and that is just absolutely horrific and uh, stay safe out there yes do not take this heat lightly and especially if if you're uh of of older age it is it is no joke uh and then we have another one here my god a landscaper killed in a DC road rage shooting linked to leaf blower uh, Jason Ford, 45, was shot in an act of road rage on West Virginia Avenue in D.C., police say. His widow said a driver was angry about grass clippings blown onto his car. Jeez. What is the killing people, was over man? somebody blowing grass and him apologizing. Ford was supervising a crew doing yard work in the Trinidad area when the grass clippings landed on a shiny black car parked nearby. The driver was angry. Ford apologized. A man who appeared to be a friend of the driver rode up on a rental scooter, and he and the driver spoke. Uh, the crew left and was stopped at a light on West Virginia Avenue. That's when the man on the scooter reappeared and open fire hitting Ford in the chest and killed a 45-year-old man for out here grinding his ass off. In 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 one of the most d- difficult day to day industries that are that you know relies on the weather uh, and uh, and you have people like me who shit on mowing grass all the time and this guy's out here making it for him and his wife and his family and then somebody on a scooter rides up and 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 shoots his ass it's just disgusting it's absolutely disgusting
4: I, 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 that's that's my only thing to say about that is like just oh, what, it. it, it are we just more aware of this shit going on, or is it is it getting worse that 's my only question okay i don't know i, think, I, I don't know the I, answer
2: I think in most cases, this is more about we're just getting more aware, but you know, I counter this with this idea of you know if I am facing nutty people that can't keep their fucking hands to themselves and also cannot you know restrain themselves and think that the answer is okay uh i'm mad at somebody so i'm gonna open fire which by the way that is just to me horrible and it's horrible to me because okay two things just because you're angry at somebody doesn't mean you put hands on them and it sure as fuck doesn't mean that you shoot them either okay i mean and the fact that people would okay because here's an example of whitewashing matt and ryan here in Hawaii, if you blow debris on somebody's shiny black uh, car, you'll probably get maimed. And
3: that will be whitewashed. Okay? Sad stuff, man.
4: That's why Sad. it's in the burns. Yeah, that's um. what This is horrible.
0: And and let's 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 keep up the 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 overwhelming lack of uh, positivity here. Where <laughs> a uh, a CU student in Louisville, Colorado, student has thousands of dollars of lawn equipment uh, stolen. Um, thousands of dollars worth of his lawn equipment, uh, Jaden uh, Kazant- uh, Kazantsev, uh, it was swiped, leaving him with little option other than renting tools until he can save up to replace the stolen property. Um, Man, the guy started when he was 12 years old using his family's lawnmower. Once he turned 15, he started taking the job more seriously. He saved up cash, bought a truck, trailer, new lawn equipment. And now at 19, he's got six employees and been paying his way through freaking college at the University of Colorado in Boulder. And you know what? Last Saturday, some of his crew parked one of the trucks along uh, with uh, some of the equipment in a Louisville neighborhood. They left it parked where it's always been parked. It's been parked there for years with no problem. When the crew returned Monday morning, he said the truck and all the equipment with it were gone. The equipment total was fifteen grand, more than what the truck is yeah. worth. He filed a police report and all that, and uh, they, the truck showed up Monday night, but none of the equipment was there. Lawnmowers, weed whackers, gas cans, blowers, trimmers were all taken. Uh, I know they don't know my story, and it wasn't personal, but why? It causes so much pain to have your stuff stolen. Uh, additionally, he's been checking on websites to see if he can find it five days a week, 20 lawns a day. Uh, even if I have to push it back two days, it's like 50 lawns I have to catch up on. And that, that's the thing that, you know, and from uh, uh, a service provider perspective is it's one thing to have all your equipment stolen, but then you still have customers you have to service. And then you start calling. You're like, yeah, uh, my equipment was stolen. And they're like, yeah, but my grass is like nine inches tall. <laughs> and they start calling around to have somebody cut it. And you're not going to find anybody to cut your lawn one time. They're going to be like, if you want me to cut my, if you want to, if you want me to cut your yarn, you're going to have to sign up with service. And now, all of a sudden, the kid's going to start losing customers left and right because he's got no other choice because because he's not going to be able to get out there. And then that's the real impact that has on this kid's business, who is a uh, a a, uh, a contributing member of society at 19, paying his way through college. Out there grinding again in a in a very thankless environment and uh and then this shit happens. Um I don't
4: know if this kid has a GoFundMe. I'm gonna I'm gonna Google his name. It's on the link. It's right. on the no, it's on the on the uh the link there. Is it or the, the news article at the bottom oh, of the news
2: article? Oh my yeah. oh, oh my okay. Uh
4: if perfect. if anybody if
0: anybody's of the means to be able to do this, show this kid some support and uh and and help him get his business back because uh you know what uh the you know again this is, this is the future of the green industry right here and uh you know a 19 year old kid out here getting it done the best he can and uh, and so if you're of means to be able to do so show 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 a boy some love here and uh help him help him get back on his feet because this is the kind of shit that drives people out of business and that's the unfortunate part of mm-hmm. it um wow that was that was heady. Um oh boy, I forgot about what she had in the returns here. All right, all right let's do our returns. <laughs> <laughs>
2: this
0: this <first> one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Our
0: our first return here, uh Deme listed as return as
4: I, I is this, is oh, this, this, is this an a, it's a, of a callback. Irony? It's a no, it's a callback from uh, uh, the, the like. What what is it? Cut and Kill is the uh, lawn care company up there in, uh, we'll just say the greater South Dakota area. And uh, that was the group, uh, JPEG, you want to pull the article up? We need to see this. Uh, we need to see that picture. Go down there a little bit. Oh, so, yes. Now, Ray, you got to understand a couple of things here. Number one. I'm not, uh, This is just real talk right now. I, uh, you know, if you think I'm dogging them, whatever. I'm sorry. I'm just real talk. They get uh, an, an F for uh, spray coverage, right? Spray pattern, without it, not yes. very good. Yeah. But l- listen, the Matt, the density of this route, that's an A plus. That's a winner. Look how many houses in a row they've got right there. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You're gonna make your however, thousand bucks in a day and go home real quick.
1: Mm-hmm. However, yeah,
4: you're home by three. <laughs> however, Matt.
3: I mean, you know, here's
2: something that people need to understand. You know, when you sign up for general liability for your business, there's often a little exclusion, sometimes in fine print, on that GL policy. And you know what that little exclusion is?
3: Your insurance if you have, doesn't... If, oh, go ahead.
2: Your insurance does not cover what they deem acts of negligence. So if I were to go out I mean, all you gotta- and 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 mistake uh say you know ornament for super Trimic and go out and spray lawns and everybody's St. Augustine and Bermuda goes bye-bye, uh my insurance company will say. Sorry, Ray, Uh, that ain't covered. (laughs) That ain't covered. I mean, it's your fault, your negligence for not reading the label before loading the sprayer.
4: I think if you looked at this photo and said, Mm -hmm. hey, without knowing any context, what does this look like to you? I would say negligence. Now, moving down here into the article... Uh, You know, basically, Cut and Kill will no longer provide mowing and fertilizer services, according to an email sent from Cut and Kill to its customers earlier this week. The email informed customers that Cut and Kill would no longer provide services, including mower, fertilizer, trimming, rock bed maintenance, and Roundup, effective July 1. Owner Tate Eining said that in the email, this is because of an employee shortage and issues caused by the chemical accident this spring. Cut and Kill will still provide other services and repair the lawns affected by the chemical burn, Eining said. Other cut-and-kill services include sodding, irrigation, landscape, and pest control. A total of 302 properties around Sioux Falls burned up in early May from a weed control application by the Harrisburg-based company. The insurance provider for the company said they will not cover the damage, as you alluded to, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Argus leader reached out to Eining for further comment and confirmation, but have not yet received a response. So, listen. Tough, tough Tough situation. I feel for them. I'm sure no, nobody woke up and was like, Hey man, I'm gonna go spray some lawns with the roundup today. Like that, that didn't happen. So we made an honest, but costly mistake. And here we are. So, uh, it's probably good. I, I think if there's any message here, that is a return, Matt and Ray, it's focus what you're good on. Right. And maybe they got out over their skis on this one. Maybe who who knows. Right. But not having quality employees and still trying to get stuff done that could have these type of consequences, is never a recipe for success in business, right? Uh, Just like, you know, you don't want to have people working your fertilizer plant that are okay with removing their hand because they think they can get a $50,000 check. I mean, Mm. I just don't think it's going to be a good... Yeah. Charlie, I don't think it's going to be a good fit, man. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to Uh, end up like Chubbs on Happy Gilmore. (laughs) Ooh, you, (laughs) (laughs) anyway, get those
0: leeches. I'm not getting good circulation, uh, which is actually what they had to do. Uh, Florida man tries to flee deputies on a riding lawnmower. Uh, Why I put this in returns or whoever did, I don't know. Oh, I put, Um, I
4: I did. Listen, I just put this in there because (laughs) listen, you got to admire the confidence, whatever this gentleman was on or whatever he was doing prior to, you have got to admire the confidence for him to say it, either out loud or in his mind, you know what, man, I'm gonna run away from a place down this here Ryobi electric mower. He, he he could have. What do you what do you think? I don't know if they have a picture of it. But if we had to guess, I'm gonna go. Oh yeah, he looked, he he definitely purchased a Sears Craftsman mower, probably at a yard sale somewhere. And oh, we got body cam. Oh, they had a gun too. Probably not. Yeah.
2: Who knows, Matt? Yeah, maybe pro- maybe <laughs> the, this guy probably ripped off or stole the mower that he escaped from authorities. Could have I
0: mean. been. He's, he's got a history of doing things like this. Uh, oh, uh, and yeah, he, he is- also had a pipe that contained methamphetamine because there's nothing that says, <laughs> I'm going to run away from police on a lawnmower like a meth-induced haze. Uh, had gotten away from authorities back in early January when he drove into a swamp along the Yellow River as deputies tried to talk to him about a $40,000 stolen boat. Uh, he was oh, allegedly God. on the boat when deputies arrived, but dove off the side and disappeared from the swamp boat. to avoid going to jail. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: I was, I'm just, it's I'm all mine. right. Uh, and then he had used heavy machinery to cut a hole in a metal building in order to steal the vessel. Uh, Jeez. so th- I mean, the guy, the guy's not a good guy. He's a meth head and, uh, and he's, of course, he's toting a gun around in that scenario too. And uh, he, he may, it looks like he may have used this John Deere to try and escape. I don't know if you saw that picture, but it is a John Deere with the uh, the uh, airless tires. Is it the never flats? The wheel? Oh, he's got the wheel. Yeah, the wheels. Yeah, the wheels. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, uh, what what do the, what do those do in transport mode? You probably got what fifteen miles an hour. You probably 18. yeah, you probably get up and go. But
3: Jeez. I mean. I don't I don't know I what
0: lived. police officers are driving this day, but, I mean, eight, 18, 18 miles? Away. I you got a 30-horsepower really, motor on that? 25?
4: Really would have loved to see a, uh, you know, especially with that roll bar down, would have loved to see the dash cam video of them doing a pit maneuver on this guy. That would have been special. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's check out this week's
0: mailbag.
1: You've got mail.
0: Um, to this first one that we have from Adam here, he's got a Bradford pair, and suckers are oh. always showing up. How can I get rid of them for good or temporarily for a while? Uh, thank you, sirs. Uh, in my opinion, uh, this is a super easy thing to do is um, just cut cut the damn thing down and uh, and then uh, triclopyr drill and triclopyr the stump. Uh, otherwise, you, you're just going to mow it and mow it and mow it and mow it, and you can spray the suckers with triclopyr, and they're not going to do anything. Uh, so, uh, cut that damn thing down. Do y'all have any other opinion on that?
2: Okay.
4: It's an invasive species product- for a reason.
2: Yeah. I know of this product called Sucker Stopper. And it's intended to be used on suckering trees where you apply it to the cut after you've chopped off the suckers. However, Matt, you just said the word where if this tree is actually invasive, uh I'd say in the friends of my arborist friend, one final basil cut and then I'm gonna get funny and say I want crossbow. <laughs> wow.
0: I <laughs> I no, want I like crossbow. It. D- diver- <laughs> diversification of, of AIs there, a little two four D, a little yeah. trunk beer, and uh hammer it out. Uh, Lone Goose is following up with this. Uh we diagnosed his issues red thread, and uh he went and grabbed uh what he could get, and the only thing he was able to get was uh Headway G at his local site one. Got it, put it down, and uh after three weeks, uh all this red thread has completely cleared up. So here we got a, a little A plus to the uh Stroblurin. Uh, DMI a return combination here. there. Yep, yep, look at that. Doing damn good. Nice. Um, nice. And then we have Nick S. here who writes in and said, I've been listening to you guys for about a year now. I've learned a ton. I live in Southwest Virginia and have 16,000 square feet of Xenous zoysia. The lawn was a mix of different grasses, weeds, mostly f- uh, fescue, and I killed the lawn off, leveled it, and hydro the zoysia grass last year. Uh, the yeah. summer, it really looks great, very dense in most areas. There are, however, patches of nimblewill that came back throughout the lawn. It doesn't look terrible, but I've worked so hard, it drives me crazy to see anything but zoysia grass. Uh, I can't find any solutions to get rid of the nimble well except for glyphosate and reseeding, which I don't think I'll do. It's too widespread throughout the lawn. Any other options? Uh, nutrient levels are good, blah, blah, blah. Uh, only herbicides used are pro diamine in the spring, and one app of fuselate and at raise recommendation rates for uh, Bermuda suppression. Um, let's see. So I have run. Uh, I had good success with Wheel, uh with uh, my Monument applications, and normally I would run Monument with a little spiker of uh of two four D in it, and uh, and it would it would just evaporate any Nimblewill that I typically dealt with. Bray, is there anything in particular you like to use on Nimblewill if you even have it in warm season? Grass? I don't
2: think I I don't think I even have seen it here because it's too hot here where I'm at for Nimblewill to even exist. But if I had to do it in the transition zone, I would like Monument. I would like Celsius. Uh, I would actually like a combination of Celsius and Monument, two for one, kill grassy weeds, and any nutsedge that happens to be hanging around. Or other option is Tribute Total. Because here's where Tribute Total shines. Tribute Total is a pretty handy product for a lot of grassy weeds. Because of that, 4M sulfuron and iodosulfuron combination, yeah, I mean it's basically one-two on a lot of your cool-season grasses and paspellum species. So, however, here's one more thing about that fuselade triclopyr combination: the first time might not do the job because when you're doing a fusilade triclupir program in zoysia for grassy weed removal i find that it needs to be done at least two to three times and by the way if you do manage to get kill of something the first time odds are your application rate is way over and expect your zoysia to go to
3: Yeah.
0: <laughs> Oops.
2: Yeah. Whoops. Exactly. <laughs>
0: uh so Bye man, bye MSMA. Hope, How about uh, that? <laughs> d- it's uh Busy Bees also says metsulfuron methyl. Uh he's had success with um with that as well for uh for nimble well. Hmm. Uh gentlemen, we are going to get the hell out of here and let the uh and let the patrons name this episode. I want to thank everybody for tuning in. And gentlemen, thank you for joining me. And uh Demay, I, I gotta give you a Big giant sincere fu for this week's Joe knows turf. That was um, absolutely that was perfectly bad. executed, sir. Perfectly executed. <laughs> so uh, bad, Ryan. <laughs> and for those of you that don't know, that the patrons are watching live right now, and uh, we we got a two for this week, so we're gonna roll right into the recording of the next one coming up on Thursday. We have Thursday. Thursday we have elevated Lawnscapes. We have Cam who's coming back to talk to us about what he's got going on this year so if you're around tune in for that because that's going to be a fun one we'll get some updates what's been going on across the year and uh and hey see what's going on y'all take it easy